You're listening to What's the Buzz. I'm Carolina, and I'm here with Jill, Ava, Liam, and Becca. Unfortunately, Casey can't be here today, um, but we will still think about her and have her here in spirit. Um, today's episode is going to be a little different than our usual one. In light of recent events that have taken place, we didn't feel 100% comfortable continuing to create podcasts without addressing what's been going on in the news and in the country right now. Uh, We know that there's been a lot of information being spread over social media, a lot of it true, a lot of it not true. So in today's episode, we're going to be having a discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement and focusing specifically sort of on the facts of the movement. Uh, We hope that this episode can be a form of education for anyone who's not completely aware of the movement or its goals. We'll be talking about what the Black Lives Matter movement is, about the protests taking place, um, as well as the COVID-19 response to this. And we're also going to be sharing some resources that can help further educate yourself on everything. So let's just go ahead and start with the sort of definition of the Black Lives Matter movement and sort of um, how it came about. Um, So the main sort of how this came about was it was three uh, Black activists uh, Alicia Garza, Patrice Kohlers, and Opal Tometi, I think I'm saying that right. They created a Black-centered political movement, which is now known as Black Lives Matter. It's also taken the form of a hashtag that you might have seen, um, and it's was sort of a response to the acquittal of George Zimmerman, who killed Trayvon Martin in 2012. So from the Black Lives Matter website, uh, it says, Black Lives Matter Foundation Incorporated is a global organization in the U.S., U.K., and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on Black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for Black imagination and innovation, and centering Black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives. Um, So a big focus of the Black Lives Matter movement is holding police officers accountable um, for those who have killed Black men and women. Um, So recent Black people who have been killed by police officers, that has been sort of considered the tipping point for recent protests in support for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, include the first one, um, Breonna Taylor, who was killed on March 13th um, in her house after the police got a search warrant. Um, They searched because there was a suspected drug deal happening in her neighborhood, so she was shot in her home. Um, that was kind of overshadowed. Her death was overshadowed by the whole COVID thing because that kind of happened right around when COVID was picking up and everyone was quarantining. Um, The next one who a lot of people have heard of is Ahmad Arbery, who was shot after being pursued by two white men in his neighborhood in Georgia, and that was in February. And then the most, uh, I think, recent one that sort of has um, really started protests going on was George Floyd, who was killed by a police officer in Minnesota after the officer kneeled on his neck for several minutes. So those are sort of, I mean, there have been countless ones, but these are the ones that have been most recent and have gotten a lot of media traction um, and have sort of been the, I guess, inspiration for these um, uh, protests. So I'm. what are your guys' reactions to hearing about these deaths and sort of I don't know what what do you guys think about just like the nature of these deaths and like when you first heard them what are your opinions I mean for me I was really hurt by it um I think a majority of Americans were as well um with all three of these cases like Breonna Taylor um she was a an emergency medical technician and what the police did was they um invoked like a uh, a no knock warrant 
uh, which means that they can like enter the premises of your home without like letting you know that they're actually there. Um, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend was like a little afraid of this because like he thought that people were actually breaking in. So what he did was he like shot out like like with his gun and the police officers like shot 20 rounds of bullets in response and eight of them hit her. Um, which I think is crazy. And like you were saying, Carolina, I really think that her death was overshadowed by um, the COVID-19 response. Um, Ahmaud Arbery um, was shot um, by these, like I think a father-son duo who actually thought that he was responsible for like a couple burglaries that were happening like in the area. I don't necessarily think that it should be like I, I don't know I, I just thought it was weird how um two white males um basically kind of took the law in their own hands really um and then for George Floyd um I I would definitely consider that as like the kind of pivotal moment uh where all these protests really started yeah I agree I think that happened george floyd's death happened a little over a week ago and since then we've seen huge like we're going to get into this later but on social media huge um responses from people and um you know a lot of petitions being signed emails being sent donations being made um i think i I agree with you i was really I mean, just sort of shocked by the fact that people can do this. And just today, for George Floyd, the if you guys saw, um, the police who was kneeling on him, his degree, or his charge, I guess, was raised to second-degree murder from third-degree. And then the other police officers who were there were also charged, I think. Um, right, yeah. So that was just today that that happened. Um, so it's also interesting to sort of see sort of like how long that took. And I know a lot of people were, you know, calling for immediate, you know, um, action for that. And it sort of took over a week for that to happen. And I, I mean, it was also like, Jill, how you were saying weird, like with Amada Arbery, those were not even like police. Those were right. Those were just like two guys. Yeah, two civilians trying to like, I, I guess, protect their neighborhood um, right. when it should have been. Um, somebody else really yeah right. I, I actually heard that um, they the father had just been sitting in his driveway and saw uh, Ahmad uh, run past his house and he thought that he recognized him as a criminal and had just immediately went to grab his weapons that I don't understand because usually you know when you see something wrong you would call enforcement or you know, the police, instead of, I agree, Jelly taking the law into your own hands. Right, exactly. I, it's hard to, like, think about people, like, doing that and just, you know, I, I don't know what the timeline for their, like, they were, they were arrested, right? I don't remember how long that took, but. Yeah, they arrested. So, it actually happened in February, but. Right, um, right. The footage came out in May, and then the okay. two men were arrested. I think one of the most frustrating things about these just cases of people kind of being 
well, specifically black people being senselessly murdered is that I feel like it takes so much like community outcry for things to be done, which is incredibly frustrating. I mean, from my point of view as a white person, I can't even imagine what this must feel like for people of color, but it's like, you're just out going for a jog and you're killed and there has to be national protests for you to get justice for your murder. So I don't know. I find that incredibly just aggravating with the state of America at the moment. I agree. And it's um, also like on social media, I've been seeing like a bunch of more people who have been like killed recently um, who, because it's not caught on camera, we don't hear about and there aren't arrests being made. So like you were saying, Ava, like it took, you know, people having to see the videos of of black people dying, which first of all is watching someone die on camera and having their death spread throughout the internet is like horrible. And that should not have to be what it takes to get people to, you know, be held accountable for doing that. So and I can't even imagine, you know, the the families of these people like having to see those videos being spread um in order to get something like have something be done about it which is the other part of it that is frustrating as well um but yeah any other sort of reactions to these deaths happening or um, i thought that there was a striking like resemblance to george floyd's case like in terms of eric gardner because both of them um said they couldn't breathe like multiple times to police like when they're like being detained um and I actually saw an interview with a CNN reporter and Eric Gardner's mother and she can't like bring herself to watch the video of George Floyd because it would remind her too much of her son I bet yeah that's yeah I was thinking about that too where I saw that somewhere and I was like you know the I don't know just like the the parallels between this and I can't even think about how many more have been maybe like it that we just haven't seen. I don't know if you guys saw the something Will Smith said. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was like racism hasn't stopped. It's just been recorded or something like that. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, which I thought was really like powerful because um, I mean, it's true, like especially in a time where social media is huge and, you know, getting things on camera or going live is something people do every day and using that to sort of as a way for proof that things are happening in a way to get people to be held accountable for that. Um, it's really interesting, but yeah, as I said earlier, these have, um, sort of been, have started some protests, um, throughout the country and throughout the world. And Jill's going to talk a little bit about those protests. Yeah. Um, so the city of Minneapolis immediately took to the streets to demand the arrest of the officers involved in George Floyd's death while the rest of the world took notice. Um, The protests were ignited across the country, um, actually over the weekend, and there were actually protests in other countries like Japan and New Zealand and uh, Denmark. Um, I was just wondering, have any of you witnessed like any of these protests in person? Um, I'm in Champaign and I'm I'm obviously in Urbana, but um... Uh, there was there was a protest a couple of days ago, and I, while I didn't see it in person, I saw the aftermath. I saw a bunch of people um, walking home, 
Um, and it was, there was so many people with signs um, still chanting even after the, the protest, uh, which was entirely peaceful. Um, and it was just, it was interesting to see just all the different types of people, everyone walking home, all the signs that they had and the energy they had even like hours after the protest was over. Um, that, that's what I've seen personally, but I haven't experienced any of them in person, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm also living in Urbana, and it's been relatively calm um, here uh, on the street that I specifically live on. Um, I did hear um, some of the protesters, like, in their cars screaming Black Lives Matter, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but yeah, it's been relatively calm. Yeah, I haven't seen any in person. Um, I've seen, of course, I think everyone has on social media. I was just downtown today because um, my sister had to pick some stuff up at her high school, which was downtown. And I didn't really, I wasn't really in the area where people were protesting or have been protesting. So I didn't really expect to see anything. Um, but I have heard a lot of just like the other day I was, I'm on the Northwest side of Chicago and I heard like, I saw a bunch of like police cars driving by and a bunch of cars honking. And I didn't really know what that was about. It was kind of weird. They were going the opposite direction I was. Um, I didn't know if it had anything to do with the protests, but I've definitely been like taking notice of like police activity and um, it kind of has a different like hearing like police cars drive by um, has sort of like a different like tone now because of the protests and like I don't know you never know like where protests can be happening either so yeah. Yeah I haven't uh, seen any in person but I have heard a lot um, that there are protests happening in my area of about like 20 people on like the corners of like really busy uh like streets by like restaurants gas stations and i hope i can see one i just haven't gone that far lately but yeah well nationwide protests have been fairly peaceful um but there have also been instances of riots i think it's very important that there's like a huge distinction between the two um, peaceful protests um, were something that was advocated by Martin Luther King when he led the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Um, he thought it was a civil way to get across like whatever po political discourse you might have. Um, and we're actually seeing instances of like solidarity between like protesters and police in the form of videos. Uh, there are police officers who have given like really inspiring speeches to protesters expressing their solidarity to them. There are others that like hold their hands and others that kneel. Um, and we're also seeing um, people organizing community cleanups after these protests. Um, on the other hand, there have also been riots and looting. Um, this is a cause to why there are so many curfews now in many cities like Chicago, um, Detroit, Minneapolis, and like, actually champagne for a little while. We got like a mass mail for that. Um, uh, these rioters and looters are breaking into local and like nationwide stores like Target. Um, and there have also been some instances of like burning police cars. Um, and I was wondering if there were like any moments that stood out to you all like regarding these protests or like riots in like either the news or in person, even though uh, we haven't actually like, been to the protests. Well, yeah. So, um, like I like I mentioned, I, I kind of walked around town in the aftermath of the the um, the protests here in Urbana-Champaign, um, and I walked down Green Street, 
Um, and then for some reason or another, I had to drive back down a little while later. And um, apparently I saw someone had thrown, I think, I don't know what happened exactly, but like two bricks through the Taco Bell uh, window on green. Um, and it, it was so um, surreal to me, I think. It really hit home because I had literally just been walking down there maybe half an hour earlier. And um, it kind of drove home how this is kind of happening everywhere, both the protests and, uh, you know, in rare instances, the rioting and the looting. Um, but what I did want to kind of bring up, though, more is that um, in regards to like the solidarity between protests and police, I saw this really inspiring video of I think it was a Michigan sheriff who um, he put down his baton, he put down his uh, shield and like took off his helmet and like him and the rest of his officers kind of walked with the peaceful protesters in like a show of solidarity. And, and that was just inspiring, I think, to me and to a lot of people from what I've read uh, in the comments of that video. I don't know if you guys have seen anything like that uh yourselves I, yeah, yeah i actually saw that in that video um, i think I and there's too. also like an instance of that happening in oakland where police officers kneeled true yeah i i have seen a few of those as well um also jill going on to like more notable moments something that has been like less sort of inspiring that i've seen that sort of worried me was um like journalists going out trying to cover the protests and being either arrested or tried like tear gassed or shot bullets right i've seen that too and that sort of like as journalists that's a little scary and actually it's pretty it's very scary um because you know some like that's like the career i think a lot of us want to go into or at least um experience and I think a lot of us have done that. I know, um, or like have been at events where we've been taking video or pictures or stuff like that. And, you know, we're allowed to do that. We're protected under the First Amendment to do that. And sort of seeing those videos has been really scary and unsettling for people who are studying journalism, just because like that could, like, that's something I want to do. And if I'm not like supported in doing that, that's not good. And that's not like helpful as a journalism student. So that's something that I've noticed. Um, yeah, I agree. I, that Those especially is shocked me. Um, I, I never expected to see stuff like that. Like the, um, was it CNN reporter, Omar? I was shocked um, when that happened because that was happening live on air too. Right. Right. That was, that was crazy. And I think they said like, even on air, like we've never seen anything like this. Like, um, just like seeing those people like one by one being arrested for I mean they didn't I didn't see they weren't doing anything wrong they were cooperating with the police you know like asking where they, they wanted later. them to be um, yeah I think they were later released I don't think they were charged that's good I think. that's good um but yeah that was a sh- that was really shocking and like I don't know it was yeah I've never seen that before so that was really odd to see happening yeah. And I actually read that um, throughout this, like, whole week, um, there have reportedly been, like, 100, like, acts of violence against journalists and photographers who have been uh, documenting, like, what's been happening with the protests and riots. So, yeah, it's really interesting seeing that kind of violation of, like, the, the First Amendment. Um, what about you, uh, Becca or Ava? Uh, I was going to say... Uh, I did see a couple of news reports where people were recording and then a bunch of looting had started to happen behind them and 
a bunch of people had scared them away and like some of the camera crew actually like videotaped like the reporter going like oh my god and then like having to run away and like as a journalist a journalism student that really scared me because we've already had seminars about like PTSD and journalists and the mental health of journalists because of everything that we are going to have to experience and I don't know when I saw that all of my family members were like Becca, you still want to be a journalist? Same. My whole family was like, the same yeah. thing. My mom was like, oh, yeah, like, I don't, I would not want you doing that. I was like, okay, like, I think it would be pretty cool to go, like, and get in the action, like, record this stuff and, like, see this happening. But, you know, it's, it's also, I think, very, um, like, shows, like, is kind of humanizing for journalists because I think we're, a lot of the times that they're seen as, you know, like, being, you know, they have to be really polished on TV and, um, and you know, they have to know what they're going to say and be prepared and have everything written out. But I think this kind of shows that, like, yeah, anything could happen and they're, like, humans too. And, like, um, I don't know, things like this really uh, hit home for, like, the journalists that have to cover it and stuff like that. So I think that's, like, was interesting to see as well. Well, like, as journalists, you're literally, like, charged with showing these nationally traumatic events to the public in a way that is able to be digested and, like, comfortable for people to watch in their homes. So, I mean, I think just seeing journalists on the front lines of this and, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, and obviously, like, there are tons of other occasions where journalists have had to cover hard-hitting topics to be, like, presentable to the American public. I guess just now I have a whole nother respect for, like, how much trauma journalists go through on a daily basis to, like, deliver the important news we need to be educated. And, like, I think they just deserve some respect for that during this time. I agree. Honestly, after watching it, it made me feel, like, even prouder for, like, choosing my major. I was like, I get to be a part of something like that can help educate and like change lives and like even possibly just like change a nation and I just like honestly I was like tearing up over how like bad I felt for these people for the journalists but it's I I just really appreciate it at the same time right yeah it definitely shows a side of journalism that a lot of people don't think about because like you know on the news you just kind of see us fooling around like filming uh dog dog shows and all that but like to do this in our nation and like be in danger sometimes it it really kind of shows how important it is to be a journalist like uh like becca was saying yeah i agree yeah and going back to like what we were saying before about like how the cameras are like rolling always um i think that you all have like a huge responsibility and like props to you all for choosing your degrees and stuff (laughs) thanks yeah (laughs) As of today, protests are underway in states around the country with no signs of slowing down until justice is served. However, many people are opting to post on social media instead, which led to the creation of a memorable hashtag on Tuesday, June 2nd. So with the recent deaths um, with Breonna Taylor and Ahmad and George Floyd in America, just to name a few, Um, I feel like social media has been such a pivotal part in advancing the movement for Black Lives Matter. And I think this is especially important 
when you keep in mind that this is a social movement occurring during the pandemic. So that's just a whole nother layer of like navigating communication and like educating others. So I think that that shows just how, how much, I don't know how to phrase this of just how much more important social media is than it would be in like regular life. So obviously as we've been talking about before um posting on social media has been a big part and a lot of people have been reposting and posting their thoughts about everything going on so a lot of people on social media have been calling for the police being like police forces to be defunded um i've definitely seen some people like college students posting things like calling for their universities to cut contacts or not contacts, contracts with their city, their local police forces. And um, there's been definitely a pressure put on the police that all cops are bad cops. But on the other hand, um, a lot of people have also been supporting the police saying that not all cops are bad cops, kind of like the Blue Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, as you all I'm sure know from being on social media and the internet and just living in America for the past however long, there are a lot of differing opinions when it comes to talking about Black Lives Matter. Um, Some of us might know people who are police officers or have friends whose parents are police officers, so there's definitely a personal connection. And those people could totally be conflicted and defensive about the movement. And a lot of people are also for completely defunding the police and have been sharing videos of police brutality happening at these protests. Social media has also allowed people to share information and resources to help people better educate themselves on this. Has social media been helpful to you guys in this way? Yeah, definitely, actually. Um, I've seen, like, I mean, there are so many layers to, like, the Black Lives Matter movement and then just, like, racism. And I have seen a lot of just helpful, like, infographics and videos that people have been posting and reposting to help people um, be better educated on, you know, like, white privilege and uh, institutional racism in America and things like that that I think sometimes we don't think about or um, we just don't know, like, 100%, like, everything about. So I've really appreciated that. I've also appreciated being able to see like black people actually share their thoughts on this because um, being able to actually hear from members of the black community has been really insightful and um, something that I think is really helpful because how are you going to be able to really know about all about like the movement and the black experience if you're not hearing from black people? So that's another thing that I think uh, social media is really great for is letting those people like share their thoughts and their voices and for us to consume it easily and quickly as well. Yeah, I agree. I've actually been seeing an increasing amount of uh, Black content creators on TikTok making like lives and having like actual like classes at certain times so they can educate their followers and you can just tune in instead of having to go through a bunch of articles and like telling people like other pages that they can get their information from and like spreading information and dates and I just thought like TikTok was a really good way because of how many people are on that app 
Yeah, that's true. TikTok is a big one. My I my sister has been showing me a bunch of like TikToks of people just like black people, you know, sharing their thoughts, and it's really powerful to hear from them specifically. And it's been helpful seeing people post like resources to better educate yourself as well, and just other things you can do to learn more about the movement if you're not like a hundred percent sure or don't really know everything about it. Yeah, I definitely am a big thing. I feel like has been super helpful during this movement. I don't know about you guys. Um, in kind of those infographics people have been making, I really liked seeing um book recommendations from black authors and stuff like that that help um like white people or non-black people of color educate themselves about um racism and the black experience. And one book I am. Um, rented yesterday i'm gonna start reading it probably tonight um was open season the legalized genocide of colored people by ben crump because i found that on a lot of like recommendation lists for black lives matter like kind of educational reading so i definitely think that that is a pretty easy it's a helpful way during the pandemic to educate yourself on these matters at least in my opinion yeah, I agree 100% with that. So um, we've also been seeing the Black Lives Matter hashtag chain thing, uh, but that was more last week. And yesterday, obviously, I'm sure you guys saw your social media feeds absolutely flooded with the Black Square thing for, um, I think it's Blackout Tuesday. I think that's what it's yeah, called, that was, right? Yeah, that was the hashtag. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, I guess, what are your guys' opinions on that? And just the movement on social media yeah that was a big one and I was sort of like with that I um it was difficult because well first of all like I didn't think so like last week I got tagged in the the hashtag black lives matter like chain that you repost on your story and like screenshot and then just like repost and I personally did not think like that didn't see like how that was helpful and um because it literally was just the hashtag and then like anybody could repost it really. And I thought that was sort of like, I mean, there's like no point in it to me. And like, I did talk to um, some, I did have a conversation with um, like one of my black friends about it and they were saying the same thing. Like, yeah, like I don't see how this is helpful. And um so that's something where it's like I don't like how a lot of people have been sort of treating it as like a trend or like a like a Instagram challenge that's not what it is and I mean there are a lot of differing I think views on the square yesterday my take on it and based on what I've heard also from my black friends is that you should be doing more than that as well like of course like great like show your support um but if you really want to help like towards the Black Lives Matter movement, then you should be signing petitions and donating and educating other people and yourself about it. So I don't, I would hope that people who post that are also doing that and are knowing that that's not, that's not where it stops. Like it's not just you post that and you're done for the day. Like there's so much more to it. So that's sort of my opinion on that, but I know there are a lot of differing opinions on it. I, I, I like the message. I like the solidarity. I think it's really important sometimes to openly state your support for for like stuff like this. Um, but at the same time, if that's all you're doing, you're not helping. 
you, you got to do more. It's, it's good to show solidarity, but then you have to take the next couple steps uh, in any movement. You can't just, you can sh uh, voice your support in any movement, but unless you actively work towards the goals that the movement uh, believes in, you're not helping other than superficially. I th in, in, and that's just my opinion. I on agree. Matter yeah. Yeah. I definitely both agree with both of you on that. Um, one of my friends actually sent me the Black Lives Matter chain thing and I just, I, I didn't do it just because I didn't really see the point in it. Um, I also didn't really do the black swear thing because I felt like some people like would have like taken that like as like an Instagram challenge and just something to like, not necessarily like show activism, but show that you're just like a part of a bandwagon in a way. And I don't necessarily like support that. Um, if you actually want to like help the change, then you have to do like so much more. I agree. And I actually ended up, I posted the black square and I ended up archiving it because I didn't feel right about, I don't know. I just did at the end, I didn't feel right about posting it and like having that be like, Oh, look at me. Like I'm supporting the movement. Like I know, um, it's, it's like in good, there's good intentions behind it, but I don't know. I just didn't, I feel like there was more I can do. And, um, also something I, I was, struggling and like hesitant with was a lot of my followers um mostly like the white ones have been completely silent on social media um or haven't really voiced like you know support for the movement but then they did post that um the black square and I was sort of like I don't know it seemed very uh like performance activism to me for some of those people and I would hope that those people would realize that and would hopefully go further than just posting but that's the other thing that sort of i've noticed um yeah i don't know what you guys think about that yeah i think the easiest way to sum that kind of thing up is actions speak louder than words right and that's really kind of my idea on it is that it's good but do something if you believe in it yeah i definitely think especially in kind of such a like the fact that the stakes are so high right now, like, you should be doing more than that. You should be taking a bigger stand and, like, taking a more affirmative stand of your support. I think, like, the black picture, like, I don't know. I don't want to, like, shame people for, like, getting involved because, but I don't know. I definitely think, like, you should be doing more that's all I'm gonna say yeah no I agree Ava. that's the thing too you know where I don't want to shame like people who are posting it because again I know it's like there are good intentions behind it I don't think it's I don't know necessarily wrong but I again I think it matters what you're doing sort of beyond social media as well um so yeah but yeah I don't want to like judge what people are doing on social media you know because I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. So do you guys think that um, people like celebrities or like politicians or just people who have a, like, or even influencers who have like a substantial following or platform should be posting something like showing their stance or support for the Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, that's what a lot of people did in the 60s. I, I don't know if you guys know who uh, Harry Belafonte is, but um, he was a singer from the West Indies, and he went on a lot of, um, I think he walked the Selma 
block in Alabama uh, with Martin Luther King. Um, but it's really nice seeing that celebrities are like showing their support for the movement. And I actually, um, I think it's interesting seeing them like at, at some of these protests as well. Um, oh yeah, I think that's gr- great. And I think, yeah, if you do have like a platform like that, especially if you're a celebrity or someone who has a, a like several followers, like hundreds, thousands of followers, millions too, like you should be using your platform to help educate and speak out and encourage people to do the same. Um, I, I, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of celebrities like at protests, which I think is really cool. And, you know, it's totally seeing them there, you know, um, reminds you like, it's not about like how, like, I don't know what your social status are, like who you are, like in the end, like we're all just like trying to, fight for like the same like just cause and like seeing people them march with just like you know other regular like citizens is really cool and I think yeah if you do have a platform I mean you should be doing something because you like have it you know um like I think you should be using it for good in that way yeah I agree plus I'm really happy to see that a lot of their fans haven't been you know crowding them or trying to like take pictures or get autographs and that everyone's just all on the same page even even with the celebrities and like ariana grande went out to a protest and i'm sure she would get mobbed like crazy but it was really amazing to see her get to march and fight for what she believes in but just be a normal person yeah i think that did you guys see the video of kiki palmer like at the very front of, like, the protest, she was, like, talking to, like, a police officer or someone, and, like, John Boyega was out, like, protesting, too, and he was getting a lot of, um, he was getting a lot of hate that, like, his career would end or something, and he went anyway, um, so, like, you know, seeing these celebrities, um, you know, they don't really, like, it's bigger than their career, it's bigger than their fans, you know, like, I think that's really cool to see that happening. I agree, definitely. definitely yeah. yeah, and then I think that, like, looking at the ways that we've been educated about racism and, like, the ways you can be educated about, like, the Black experience, like, Ava, what you're doing, like, reading, um, it's really interesting sort of looking back at, like, grade school. I only remember reading a very sort of general overview of, like, slavery and how it started and um, but I don't really remember it being a particularly long lesson, and I don't really remember learning about the ways that racism has been institutionalized and how it's sort of still present today. So I'm sort of curious what your guys' memories of being taught about like racism in school are, and just like, I don't know, I'm just curious how you guys learned about it. I mean, personally for me, um, it was like in some of my English classes, I remember we read the adventures of Huckleberry Finn in high school and they repeat a certain word like multiple times in the book and our teacher actually devoted like one of her like class periods to talk about like the usage like of the word and like the history behind it and she also explained to us that like we wouldn't be able to use it like when we were reading it um and we would have to uh read like boy or girl like instead um which I thought was very nice and made it a very like comfortable environment to be in 
Right. I agree. I learned a lot about um, like racism and slavery in my English classes, specifically in high school, my sophomore year. Um, where I mean, Jill, you know, it was American studies. It was an option. And that's what I took. It was like the history and English classes sort of lined up and they the teachers coordinated their um, the curriculum to sort of match. So I read a ton of like um, content from like black authors and um, we learned, you know, watched films and like different clips of things. And that was like where I actually learned the most. And I think that was most helpful. Um, yeah. Anybody else want to comment sort of on their education about like racism in school? It could be like grade school or high school or like college even. Yeah. Uh, actually in high school, when I was learning about it, a lot of, it was a general overview, uh, of slavery, but there was a weird thing in my high school and a lot of like, there were, it was a small high school and I think there were about a thousand, 1,200 students and maybe five of them were, were black people. So they never really took the time to like, tell us how it affected us now, affected, affects them now. And, you know, racism in different facets and really kind of skipped over it a lot so I had to do a lot of learning on my own and through making new friends so I I really wish my high school had given me uh, a better education on it yeah I I kind of in the same boat as Becca I I think my school was a little bit more diverse but I I and I'm sure there must have been some lessons that they taught but unfortunately I don't I don't think they ever devoted enough time that it really stuck stuck in my mind um a lot of what I learned about the world and that kind of stuff, I kind of learned on my own, um, which I think is interesting. I don't know why, but I, I think it's something we need to talk about, especially in after times like these. Um, and yeah, I, I unfortunately didn't learn too much in school. That just goes for any subject, I guess, though. Yeah, Liam, I, that's interesting that you say like, because I think me, like same with me, like a lot of what I've learned about it has been through experiences and just living. And obviously everyone has grown up differently and their backgrounds are different. Like a lot of people, you know, um, get their beliefs based on what their parents believe and family members believe and where they grow up. So I think that in a way is, is good because it lets you sort of experience it on your own. But at the same time, if there are dangerous views that you are learning that you have never been challenged simply because you haven't, you know, like met black people or being friends with a black person where you don't really understand the black experience as well um that could be harmful and you know going into college and meeting a bunch of different people and seeing sort of how uneducated a lot of people are just about racism and white privilege is kind of shocking and um you know it's it's important to have those conversations with people i think especially people whose views may be um, potentially harmful, you know, or who haven't been able to have those views challenged at all in their lives. Yeah, I definitely, um, one of like, at least a big moment for me, I remember in high school that I found to be very like, at least it's not about um, America specifically, it was about um, the South American apartheid. Um, in my world class senior year, we read Master Harold and the Boys, and I definitely found that to be, like, 
okay, this is at least better than what I, a better education than I had gotten in middle school. Like we're actually addressing like the ugly side of racism and like specifically like apartheid, like we're not going to pretend this didn't happen and stuff like that. So I, I found that to be like a good educational moment to read that. So I, I feel like I have a relatively good experience with my education being pretty diverse, but obviously it could have been much better. Um, I was going to say during my last uh, year of senior year, we had one girl who had moved to our school from Ghana and she actually got the school program to hire like a performance about uh, black artists in Chicago and like the struggle. And this one other girl, uh, she actually, she was on speech team and she went all the way to finals for her speech on uh, racism. And it really opened up a lot of people's eyes in my school because a lot of people are from like Poland, Lithuania, a lot of European kids who haven't really been able to deal with this and having like she was able to convince the whole high school administration to hire them and come in to teach us and I thought that was like one of the best educational moments I got and it didn't even touch the like tip of the iceberg yeah that's really cool and I think important you know to have you know that's why it's so important to hear from actual black people who know obviously the black experience and can help educate you as well. Um, I think a really great way to learn about the history of racism and some of the ways that it's present in our current modern society is by reading, watching, and listening to books, TVs, movies, and podcasts. Um, This is something I've been doing that has been really helpful and eye-opening for me. So I'm just going to share some of my picks for like TV and movies, um, and you guys can like jump in as well. But the first one is When They See Us, which is on Netflix by Ava DuVernay. And it's basically um, about the Central Park Five, who were these five um, black kids who were accused and charged for rape of a woman when they didn't do it. So that was a really um, powerful story that was also very frustrating to watch. Um, but I think it's a must watch. I also watched The 13th, also on Netflix, that explores the history of racial inequality in the U.S., um, with a big emphasis on sort of the disproportionate amount of African-Americans and who are imprisoned. Um, I'm currently watching Dear White People on Netflix, and that's more of like a comedy um, that follows a group of Black people at a mostly white Ivy League college. It sort of shows the ways that these students experience racism in college. Um, but yeah, anyone else have any other like TV shows that they're watching or documentaries? There's a spinoff show, if you guys have ever heard of The Fosters, uh, there's a spinoff show called Good Trouble, and the whole first season is uh, about how Callie, the main character, is clerking for a case about uh, an unjust murder of a, bl- of a Black teenager, and the whole like season is, is about Black Lives Matter, and like it really, like, this one character, she has, um, her whole bedroom is just full of iconic moments, and in black history and about how she wakes up every day knowing that she needs to keep fighting for it and I was just oh my god that like hit me because like I could never or when I was in high school I never thought about something like that and it's something that she has to her character has to wake up to and as many other people in the world have to wake up to and keep 
constantly fighting for and that just like kind of made me have a huge realization moment yeah that's that sounds really interesting um I love like being able to watch like movies and tv about it because I mean it's just like a great way to sort of watch it I mean it's like entertainment as well like it's easy to watch um like to physically like being able to watch something I think I'm a very visual learner so being able to see stuff like reenacted for me is really effective um another like a couple movies are if beale street could talk which is on hulu and it's really great um it's a romance film and from in early 1970s in harlem about uh, a woman named trish or tish sorry who's expecting a baby and her fiance bonnie gets arrested for a crime he didn't commit and it sort of goes through their um life you know expecting a family and sort of that whole um expectation and like those dreams sort of get derailed by his him getting arrested um the hate you give is also a popular one um i haven't i'm currently reading the book um before i watch it but that's another big one that's on hulu um a couple other ones that i really like was black landsman um which had several oscar nominations a couple years ago and that was a great movie that i highly recommend and then I also watched 12 Years a Slave like several years ago um, because one of my history teachers recommended it. And that's a true story about Solomon Northrup, who is a slave. And it's basically his story, uh, being a slave, which is also really difficult to watch, but I think really powerful. Um, so those are a couple like TV shows and, and films that I recommend. Um, a couple books about race are I Know Why the Cageward Sings with, by Maya Angelou. And then The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, and Invisible Man by Rolf Ellison. And those last three I read in high school, all of them. And I was really glad I read those because they're fantastic books. And they also touch on the topic of race. Um, and they're just like also just really good, interesting reads. Um, the last topic I want to talk about is podcasts. Um, if you're more of a listener, um, one is 1619 by the New York Times, which is sort of how slavery transformed America. And I just started this, but it's really interesting and very informative that I highly recommend as well. Um, NPR did one called Code Switch, which are um, conversations about race hosted by journalists of color. And it sort of describes how race affects a bunch of different aspects of culture. And then the last one is by Crooked Media called Pod Save the People. Um, activist DeRay McKesson explores new um, sort of news, culture, social justice, and politics with um, other activists. And they sort of offer a cool take on the news with special focus on the overlooked stories and topics that often impact people of color. And they also do a weekly one on one interview with uh, celebrities such as like John Legend, who also talk about it. Um, does anyone else want to add to like? books or movie or tv or podcast that they know of or have listened to that they that you think are helpful as well i don't have too much but i do remember there's um one episode of brooklyn 99 it's a, a hilarious tv show but it had this very poignant episode um about uh, a similar topic which was racial profiling um it's i think it was episode 16 of season four um one of the african-american cops gets racially profiled while he's out at night um, by a fellow cop. Um, and it, it had this really great dialogue uh, between the two uh, African-American um, 
cops in the show um, who took different stances, but it, it, it explored the um, it explored the issue in a really intelligent and a really honest way. And for a show that's mostly comedy, it really struck me. Um, and I think anyone who's looking for a way to kind of conceptualize the the issue or issues like this, I think that's a really good place to start, especially if you're looking for a more lighter tone to it, um, for a, an easier way to digest it. Um, that That's my recommendation. I unfortunately don't have any more secrets um, books. I, I can't recommend Why the Caged Bird Sings. Um, I think that was an incredible book, so I, I agree with that. But that's my recommendation, I guess. Awesome. Thank you, Liam. Um, so, like I said earlier, it's difficult to know, like, every single thing about this because it has so many layers. But I think it's um, consuming this type of media can help us understand a little better. Um, so let's move on now to sort of how all of this relates to the other big concern in the world right now, which is, of course, coronavirus. So go ahead, Becca. Yeah, uh, as we all know, COVID is also something that we have to be aware of while protesting. So we can all continue to like protect each other and ourselves to limit the spread. Uh, a lot of protests have what what is has been what is mainly being covered by the news as it has now overshadowed, overshadowed COVID, which is a huge feat as it was literally consuming every aspect of media. However, it is still a problem that will be with us for a while. There are, if not most people who are wearing masks and trying to be sanitary through social distancing during protests. Protesters are still encouraging everyone to maintain their safety from COVID, but despite this, it's really amazing to see people go out of their way and put their own health and life on the line to help others during the protests. Uh, I've actually seen a couple of websites uh, give out information as well as protesters and, like I said, Black content creators on TikTok who are uh, attending these protests have given out um, uh, advice on how to stay safe. Like, before you go, pack a face mask, hand sanitizer, eye protection such as goggles or a face shield, and plenty of water. Stay with a buddy group to reduce your contacts and to ensure some social distancing between you and the other people. And if you have any symptoms of COVID, keep yourself healthy and do not go. But you can still obviously show your support in different ways. Uh, are there any other ways you guys can think of to stay safe? Something that I was talking about with someone was, I think that, I mean, I know a lot of people really do want to protest. And I think you should be mindful if you live with someone like an elderly person or someone who is a nurse or doctor um, and is, you know, on the front lines helping treat patients with COVID. I think you should think about protesting and maybe there are other ways to help if you want to, so maybe consider doing that instead. And I think um, maybe if, like, yeah, if you're going, I mean, it's hard to, like, social distance because there are so many people. Um, but maybe after you're done protesting, like, quarantine for two weeks just in case. Um, I think that would be a good way just in case, you know, you never know. Um, just to help protect other people in your family and, of course, be like, like you said, Becca, hand sanitizer and sanitizing regularly and um while protesting but i think it's also important to know that like if you do want to help there are other ways to do it and you don't have to like you shouldn't feel bad if you're not out protesting um yeah that's sort of my take on it yeah going off of that um i think that by staying safe people could just like stay home and like do things on social media um i know there are a lot of like 
people like hosting town halls and stuff over Zoom, uh, talking about like these injustices. So um, that's also another idea. I know uh, there have been some controversies about the about how to stay safe because there are a lot of people arguing that just a mask is going to be able to just do the job and limit the spread of COVID. And it's like a reason why you should go out and protest. But uh, like for me, I personally have like a nurse in my family and I have someone who's about to be deployed uh, in a couple weeks that I can't, uh, my brother and I and my other family members can't afford to risk their health and safety for something for some things yeah and I think an important thing to note too especially is like even if you can't go to protests for COVID reasons or if you live with immunocompromised people there are definitely like other ways you can help with the movement as we've covered like donating um supporting black business um trying to educate others in your life and stuff like that so yeah I definitely think like don't think protesting is the end all. Obviously, it's very helpful and important to protest and go out, but I mean, there are other ways you can make your voice be heard. Uh, what do you guys think about the people? Like, uh, I've seen I've seen some nursing students actually go out to protest to help people with tear gas and like just in general injuries. What do you guys think about that? I've seen that. I think that's really like admirable and like great that people are doing that and you know using their skills to help people um and i I actually also saw like someone like a doctor whose opinion on it was they're in full support of like the protesting because they said this issue is like huge and will go on for a long time and probably longer than covid and i know that might be a controversial statement but i thought that was interesting to hear from like a doctor's perspective that that is interesting. It is hard to uh, balance COVID with this because we are all going to be dealing with this for quite a while. But like the doctor said, we will be dealing with obviously racial injustice is way longer than we would be dealing with COVID. With COVID, so I do think it is like what he's. I agree with it a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone will keep themselves safe and you know keep their hopes up for better times ahead as we all need a little positivity at some points yeah um in times like these it could be hard to see any good in the future not only are we dealing with a pandemic but our country is still struggling with a pattern that could have been corrected decades ago george floyd Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor didn't have to die, but we learned about all these cases in just a month. It's our jobs as citizens of the world to speak up against injustices like these. Get educated, donate, and please vote. That's it for today's episode of What's the Buzz. Thank you so much for listening and also special thanks to WPGU. Remember to stay safe out there and help each other out.